Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number nine. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money Minute. This is another podcast that Hannah and I do. Well, it's it's mostly me, but Hannah will pop on every now and again. It's a daily podcast where it's, you know, one to three minutes of just little bitty financial tips. So if you want to hear from us daily on some tips and tricks on getting ahead with your money, just pop on over there, Mapped Out Money Minute. So we teased this episode in last week's episode Mm -hmm. um, because last week we talked about the book, I Miss You When I Blink, and how you have the ability to change things and kind of decide what you want your life to look like for yourself, regardless of what other people think about it. And so part of that is embracing this idea of being a noob. So to get us started off... You want to, Nick likes definitions, so you want to read us your definition of a noob? If you just Google the word noob, you get a person who is inexperienced in a particular sphere or activity, especially computing or the use of the internet. That's what I thought was interesting when I looked it up, is that I saw that it has like a very um, video game Yeah, well, I think it originated in video game culture, at the very least was like popularized in uh, people calling each other noobs while playing games In a really online. negative way. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But we are definitely using it as in a, in a positive way. And before we jump into some of the reasons that we think being a noob is important to your financial success, um, we read an amazing article by Paul Graham that Hannah's going to read because she's much better reading out loud than I am. So Hannah's going to read this article about uh, being a noob by Paul Graham, who has a lot of great thoughts. And then we'll kind of dive into some of our reasons. This article is on paulgram.com and it's titled Being a Noob. And he published this in January of 2020. When I was young, I thought old people had everything figured out. Now that I'm old, I know this isn't true. I constantly feel like a noob. It seems like I'm always talking to some startup working in a new field I know nothing about or reading a book about a topic I don't understand well enough or visiting some new country where I don't know how things work. It's not pleasant to feel like a noob. And the word noob is certainly not a compliment. And yet today I realize something encouraging about being a noob. The more of a noob you are locally, the less of a noob you are globally. For example... If you stay in your home country, you'll feel less of a noob than if you move to Farawavia. Is that actually a place or is he making a joke? No, that's not a place. (laughs) Okay, I was pretty sure he's making a joke, but I was like, maybe I've just never heard of it. Well, he capitalizes it, Farawavia. (laughs) So, okay. For example, if you stay in your home country, you'll feel less of a noob than if you move to Farawavia, where everything works differently. And yet you'll know more if you move. So the feeling of being a noob is inversely correlated with actual ignorance. But if the feeling of being a noob is good for us, why do we dislike it? What evolutionary purpose could such an aversion serve? I think the answer is that there are two sources of feeling like a noob. Being stupid and doing something novel. Our dislike of feeling like a noob is our brain telling us, come on, come on, figure this out which was the right thing to be thinking for most of human history. The life of hunter-gatherers was complex, but it didn't change as much as life does now. They didn't suddenly have to figure out what to do about cryptocurrency, so it made sense to be biased toward competence at existing problems over the discovery of new ones. It made sense for humans to dislike the feeling of being a noob, just as in a world where food was scarce, it made sense for them to dislike the feeling of being hungry. Now that too much food is more of a problem than too little, our dislike of feeling hungry leads us astray. And I think our dislike of feeling like a noob does too. Though it feels unpleasant, and people will sometimes ridicule you for it, the more you feel like a noob, the better. So I I love a lot about this article and a couple of lines that really stuck out to me. One, I actually don't think I really processed the whole food uh, line that he said at the end mm-hmm. until until I just listened to you say it this last time. But that idea of, you know, food used to be a big problem for humans, and now we have so much of it that we still have this, like, hunger, and it leads us astray. And that's why, you know, obesity is such a huge problem that wasn't a problem hundreds of years ago. And well, not even just hunger, but it it's like he said, our dislike of that sensation oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. and how that used to serve a purpose. Um, but now 
that leads us into to problematic territory most of the time. Yeah, and I I think the other line I really liked was the the more you the more of a noob you are locally, the less of a noob you are globally. Mm-hmm. And just that idea of being a well-rounded person and uh you know, knowing a little about a lot. Mm-hmm. That also makes me think um there's another quote. Let me just google it and see if I can find it. The quote was, and I cannot remember where I heard this or where I read it. But the first step to being more interesting is to be interested. Oh, yeah. 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 I've heard you say that. Yeah. And so where did where did that come from? I have no idea. I can't remember either. If we find it, we'll put it in show notes. For sure. But I like that idea. And I think it plays into the whole being a noob and pushing against that discomfort that we feel. Because like he was saying, you know, you find yourself talking to somebody who knows a lot about something that you don't know about. And our gut reaction can be to do whatever it takes to try to hide our own ignorance. Um, and that's like the first step to being a non-interesting person, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like yep. you're much you're much more interesting if you come across that person who knows a lot about something that you don't and you're very interested in it. And, and you are not afraid to show your own ignorance. Um, that obviously leads to way better conversation and other people are going to find you more interesting and engaging when you do that. Um, so that was another thing that I kind of liked from that article. Yeah. And I think, I think we'll work in the article and go back to it as we go through some of the reasons that we came up with for the importance of embracing being a noob. But one thing before we dive right into to the first reason, I think it's important to say, you know, sometimes you're forced into being a noob, like right now during kind of the COVID-19 crisis, um, whether you like it or not, we've all been forced to try new things, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you have lost your job, so now you've got to do something new. Maybe your job has moved remotely, and so now you got to figure out what that looks like. Um, there's a lot of things like COVID, though, that will force you into doing new things and feeling like a noob. And I, I think our hope with this episode is to sort of show um, why that is a good thing and why we should go one step further and actually find areas in our life uh, to purposely try and be a noob. And that whole idea of what determines the success that you experience in those times is whether or not you embrace that feeling of being a noob. So if during COVID you can embrace, oh my gosh, I'm such a noob. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm having to figure this all out as I go. And you can really lean into that then chances are you're going to come out the other side feeling feeling like you've really gained a lot from the experience and grown a lot as a person. And so I would call that a success. Whereas if you, if you resist that feeling of being a noob and won't allow yourself to grow by going through those experiences, then you're, you're going to come out the other side probably the same as you entered it. So just stagnant, which I think we can all agree is... Not the goal. Yeah, less of a success. Not the goal at all. <laughs> Okay, so kick us off here, Hannah. We've got four reasons of why we believe financial success uh, requires you embracing being a noob. What is our first reason? Okay, reason number one is that financial success requires you to go against the status quo, which will make you feel like a noob. Yeah, so I think, you know, financial success is such a vague term that it's important we em- we define what financial success looks like to us, which we've, we've talked about before, right? Uh, everybody's version of financial success can look different. And so part of that process of defining what financial success looks like to you uh, means you're probably going to go against what a lot of other people would define as success. And like you said, when you do that, you're going to you're going to feel like a noob and you're going to feel like you're making your own path down that way. Yeah. Gabby Reese touched on this. It wasn't on her podcast. She was being interviewed on somebody else's podcast. And she was talking about how a lot of us live our lives for for the dinner party in that we we live our lives making decisions so that when we go to a dinner party or, you know, see other people and they ask us, oh, so what are you doing now? Or what have you been up to or whatever? We can give answers that they'll be impressed by. Mm-hmm. So just only solely doing things to impress other people, whether and so a lot of us define financial success that way. You know, we're financially successful if we can buy an expensive car that other people see and are impressed by or buy a big house that other people are impressed by or, you know, you name it. That's how a lot of people use money. And that's how a lot of people define financial success if they're 
if they're not willing to step out of the status quo and actually think about what they value. How many people do you know where, I'm just thinking of like every movie, every, especially like romantic comedy movie, where uh, there's some sort of event, right? It's a family dinner, it's a holiday, it's a business work party where somebody is like, I need to look impressive. So they ask, you know, a friend to come with them as their fake date, right? Mm-hmm. Or they they re- refuse to attend the family gathering and the holiday celebration because of what's going on in their life right now, and they don't want to show up and be. Yeah, so I think I think that's super common. That comes up a lot. I love that Gabby Reese quote. One of the one of the things that I heard recently that was interesting. Um, it was from Michelle Poehler, and I was telling you about her the other day. She just wrote the book Hello Fears, mm-hmm. and so uh, I was listening to her being interviewed about that book, and she talked about one of the exercises that she likes is writing down a lot of the things that you're working towards. So, you know, for us and financial goals, writing down some of your financial goals and then doing the litmus test of, okay, let's say that I exist on a planet where it's just me. There's nobody else here. Um, what what on this list still matters and what would I still pursue? If hmm. nobody else is there to see it and acknowledge it and approve of it, what would I do? And I thought that was really cool. I think that's a great test. As a people pleaser, I really like that test. And yeah. it, it does help me like reframe things. And it gives it gives a very clear way to assess the things that I think that I value. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, and, yeah. And make sure that they are actually things that I value and not something that I think I value because other people value it. Yeah. Well, even like um, how many people will do things these days for the Instagram photo, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I want to buy a van and travel the country. Do you actually want to do that? Or do you want to do that because it looks cool on Instagram? Yeah. Right. And Nick and I, Nick and I have this dilemma in our own lives. So especially since coronavirus has started and we've been more stationary and we've have we've been staying with family more, which we love staying with our family and we're super thankful that we have family that will let us come stay with them. Yeah. Uh, but there, it's definitely hard like when you're not in your own space, and so we have a harder time like working as efficiently, and it's just hard to kind of go through some of our normal routines and everything. Um, So we just end up feeling a little off kilter when we're not in the airstream. So what comes out of that is we tend to get a little bit of house fever. (laughs) So, um, you know, we've had that discussion of, okay, well, why are we even in the airstream to begin with? Do we value um, the travel that we're doing and everything that that the airstream allows us to do? Or do we like the idea of being able to tell people about where we've gone or, you know, post pictures of where we've gone more than we actually care about going to those places? Which for us, ultimately, we right now we value the flexibility that the Airstream gives us. Um, But you do have to constantly assess that in like our social media driven world, especially. No, it's it's very easy to to follow down that rabbit hole. So I think to kind of bring it back to the, the the main point here, which is before you can even say, oh, I'm financially financially successful or I'm not, you have to define what, what that even is. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly some objective things that, you know, we all can probably agree on. Like, okay, being financially successful means not drowning in mountains of credit card debt. Yeah. So I think more than that, more than even, I think we can all agree on what n- not success Yes. Unsuccess. Yeah, yeah. That's a better way to say it. We can failure? all agree what not what failure looks like. <laughs> yeah, there, geez. There's a word. What's the word for that? <clears throat> we can all agree on what uh, financial failure looks like, but defining what financially successful looks like is a very personal thing. Yes. And when you figure that out, both from a quantitative number of like how much money in the bank does that mean, or uh, being able to make a certain amount a year, or being able to whatever. That's very, 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 very personal. Yeah. And I'm not trying to convolute it too much, but you saying that just made me think of Andy J. Pizza, who I've mentioned on this podcast before. And I was telling you the other day about how he has this whole story of he was wearing a T-shirt that he loves. It's like his favorite T-shirt. And it has like a gravestone on it. And it says, rest in pizza. So (laughs) he calls himself Andy J. Pizza. So that's a very him shirt. Him shirt. Yeah. And he told this story of how him and his family were out and about. They get this last minute invitation to a memorial for his grandmother. And he says, like, of course, yeah, we'll head over that way. It was like out in a park and it was just, um, you know, 
like remembering lots of people in the community who had passed away or whatever. Very casual kind of thing. So they were just going to... It wasn't like the actual funeral. Correct. So they, they, you know, they were just out and about town and then were just going over to the memorial. So he said he drops his wife and his kids off. He parks the car and he's walking over to the memorial service and realizes in that moment that he's wearing his rest in pizza shirt, which although it's a very him shirt, like when he's telling the story, he's like, <laughs> I think we can all agree. It just wasn't an appropriate shirt for, for the, the occasion. occasion. So he talks about like, you know, running over behind a tree and flipping his shirt inside out, and putting it back on. And then he walked over and his wife saw him and realized, like had the same realization of like, oh, oh you were wearing that shirt and now you're wearing it inside out and just kind of chuckled to herself. But then he, he extrapolates that out and he talks about how we find ourselves downplaying ourselves Mm -hmm. all the time so becoming less us to you know fit in with what other people want from us and i like his take on it because he does say you know there's definitely times and places like that memorial surface where we need to tone down our usness yep and that's okay like that's just life but if you do it too often then you eventually you'll just cut the tag out of your shirt And then you'll start washing your shirts inside out. And then you'll start folding them and putting them in your drawer inside out. And then before you know it, it's your default to be wearing your shirt inside out. You're hiding hiding who you truly are. To make everybody else feel comfortable or to appease everybody else or whatever. Yes, to impress everybody else or whatever. Um, So I really like that idea and that, that visualization of it. And I do think, you know, like I've said, I'm a people pleaser. So I feel like I can fall into that. And I think a lot of people find themselves in that position where they go, who, who am I and what do I value? You know? So yeah, thinking, thinking about it that way. And it may take a little time for you to, to figure out, okay, if I take everybody else's influence out of this, what does financial success look like to me? And what are the things that I truly value and that I really want money to be a tool to help me achieve? No, I think that's a perfect, I think it's a perfect example. And it's, it's really funny too, because um, you can actually go so far in a certain area. Like I even think about personal finance. So, you know, there's this thing called the fire movement, right? Which is financial independence, retire early. And you can get so into finance that you go down this little rabbit hole of fire and all of a sudden you start doing things to appease other fire people mm-hmm. and you're and you know uh you got de- you got into that because you didn't want to please society and you wanted to forge your own path and so there's this fire thing well now you can just do the exact same thing in the fire crowd yeah and you'll find that all inside the like super personal finance realm and so and that's kind of where we found ourselves when we first got into personal finance or certainly where i found myself where I was reading about fire and I was reading about, you know, like basically saving a ton of money and then being able to quit our jobs super young and like retire and do the thing. And you luckily kind of recognized that I was basically just swinging to the opposite end of the pendulum and now just wanting to appease that crowd. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we had to come together and define what financial success looked like for us. Mm -hmm. And that looks different than everybody else. And ultimately, that requires us to, you know, like like we're talking about in this episode, be a noob because we're, we're charting our own path. We're, we're charting down our own, um, you know, to, to uncharted territory, I guess. Yeah. And but like with Andy J. Pizza's yep. example, putting your shirt on right side out and letting your Eunice be all there and out for everybody to see and standing for for the values that you really hold firm. Yep. You feel like a noob in that. Oh, yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yep. Because it's different from everything else that's happening around you. Yep. And it's new to you as well, oftentimes, especially if you've been living with your shirt inside out for a long time. Yeah. And I think I think the really important thing about your fire example, and we've had friends in our personal life who have had this, this same kind of like mindset shift that we had. So when we first started really getting serious about our finances and especially when Nick did he did go towards this fire fire movement type of mindset and it's very easy to fall into that cut costs at all at all costs yeah. yeah cut costs at all costs and so you know you're not spending money on anything 
until you reach financial independence. But then it's like, well, what are you reaching financial independence for? And so like one of our friends who was doing this, him and his wife were working on, you know, cutting down all their expenses and all this stuff. And after they did that for several months, he kept he kept talking to Nick about, yeah, I really wanted to, um, you know, start going to this gym and start trying this new exercise program, but that was going to cost this much and that would delay our financial independence by this long. And so I decided not to do that. Or yeah, I really wanted to pick up uh, woodworking as a new hobby, but I would need to buy this saw and that, and then I'd have to buy supplies. And, you know, I mean, there's just no telling how much that'll end up sending us back. So I'm just not going to do that. And then after he did that for several months, I remember him calling you and saying like, yeah, I just kind of started feeling like I'm not enjoying my life at all right now. Yeah, Like all I'm doing is figuring out how to not spend money. And so then I'm going to retire from a job. And then what am I going to do? Yep. So yeah, we had that same, that same shift. And finally we realized, um, you know, that to us, our definition of financial or financial success, which is more important than financial independence to us, um, was that we want to support our family and live a life and do work that we're enthusiastic about. Yep. So we don't want to live a life where our primary goal, our main objective is to retire from a job that we hate. We didn't want that to be the defining factor of our life. So instead, we wanted to to build life around work that we love and are enthusiastic Bingo. about. Bingo. And, you know, not to get continued on this kind of fire tangent, but, you know, some of, some of our friends who I would say sort of fit that fire distinction, like I'm thinking of Steve and Courtney Adcock, who also own an Airstream and travel, um, they actually really liked their jobs. Mm-hmm. And and that's a, that's a piece that really matters. Like Courtney, I remember when Steve and Courtney quote unquote quit and retired, Courtney actually went back at one point for like a six month stint because she loved her job so much. She loved the team so much and they were working on an interesting project and were like, hey, would you be interested in coming back on for a bit? So they slowed down their travels to go do that. And then they, you know, ultimately she left again. And so even though they didn't need the money, she went and did it. Mm-hmm. And so with them, it was like fire made a lot of sense because they really liked their jobs and they were working towards this thing with us. You know, and we've said this before, we, I was just not willing to trade the 10 to 15 years in a job that I really didn't want to be in. Yeah. And I love that you bring up that distinction because, again, neither way is right or wrong. Mm-mm. It's just figuring out what what aligns with your values. Yep. Maybe full, full-fledged fire lifestyle yep. does align with your values. Maybe some sort of mixture aligns with your values. And that's kind of where we've landed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just figuring out what fits in with your life that you're that you're trying to pursue yep and so you know kind of the bottom line here is when you define what that success looks like for you it's going to look different than everybody else which means you've got to figure out how to stand on your own two feet and really embrace being a noob in those moments so the second reason that we believe financial success requires you to embrace being a noob is because it requires you to try new things and fail often yeah, I I mean, I totally believe that you cannot have success without failure. And to have our tongue twister for this episode, when we were talking about this, you know, we were talking about how you can have failure without success, but not the other way around. Right. You can't have success without the failure. Yes. You're going to fail along the way. Yes. There's no avoiding it. It's going to happen. But it's it's about what you do with that failure that decides whether or not you're going to have this success with it. And this this goes back to Paul Graham's article that we opened up the show with about um, two sources of feeling like a noob, being stupid and doing something novel. And when you're doing something novel, you're going to fail and you're going to feel stupid. Mm-hmm. And especially if um, you're doing it in front of people, yeah. which you often are. Yep. I remember, you know, you got to kind of couch this one because the second you start um, embrace being a noob in uh, athletic endeavors <laughs> and you're under 25, you know, you can get you have hurt. to account for your undeveloped brain. brain. That's right. But, you know, when when we go snowboarding, uh, especially years ago. Yeah. When Nick and I first were engaged, yeah. when we went snowboarding together. Nick did not have a fully developed brain. Uh, <laughs> but my motto, my mantra was, if you're not falling, you're not trying. You're not learning. Yeah. And so he would push, I mean, doing all sorts of things. And I'm, I'm risking. A, for, for somebody who is a, a one trip a year snowboarder, I would say I'm pretty decent. Like yeah, for, for going once a year, I'm pretty yeah. good. 
And you're definitely willing to push the limits. Well, I got to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when we went, Nick was doing all sorts of crazy jumps and doing all sorts of stuff where he was falling a lot. A lot. And very hard and very easily could have gotten hurt. Of course, he didn't get hurt and I did fall and get hurt. So I don't know what that says about maybe you were right all along. Maybe. I don't know. know. The, The point was just simply that when you're trying to do snowboarding, it's going to take you a couple of days before you feel any level of even semblance of competency and you're going to fall a lot and it's going to hurt and it's not going to feel good, but it's part of the process. And you just have to embrace that yeah. when you're going to learn snowboarding. Krista Stryker, who we 12 minute athlete, we love her workout stuff. She talks about this um, and just shifting the way you even just word that and like your mindset around that to I failed instead of I'm a failure. Just because you yeah. failed doesn't mean you're a it's failure. It's not an identity thing. Yeah. We all fail all the time. All the time. Yep. And to bring it back to finances, I think um, this is especially true when you're trying to increase your income, right? So, you know, we talk a lot about how if you're going to try and increase your income, there's a handful of ways you can do it. Right. You can gain new skills and then try and do something on the side, do freelance work, start something up. Um, You can change careers or you can ask for a raise and negotiate your salary right with your current setup. All three of those are requiring you to embrace being a noob and you're going to fail. If you're trying to learn new skills, there's going to be a lot of failure in that. Trying to change careers, a lot of failure in that. If you try to negotiate your salary, you might get told no. In fact, unless you do a good job learning how to negotiate your salary, there's a good shot you will get told no. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't go back and do better and ask again for a raise in six months. It just means that you've got to embrace that and know that you're going to fail. It's part of it. Yeah. And I think think you working on your blog, Mapped Out Money, fits perfectly yeah. into this. Yeah. Um, so I guess it was 2015? 2015, August 2015. And you started it as True Tightwad. True Tightwad, yep. Mm-hmm. And blogged for years. Yeah, I mean, I I wrote solid like once a week for nearly two years. Yeah, and he was dedicated too. I mean, he, you legit did once a week. You didn't miss Yeah, a I week. didn't miss. I remember you sitting up late to get an article out, um, but really saw no traction. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. So a lot of people would have called that a failure. Yeah. And I mean, technically, that that one thing. That venture failed. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you didn't let that define you as a failure. So you kept tweaking and thought, okay, well, maybe writing's not my strength, but I do still have this content and message that's important to me. So what's another way that I could try to get that out to people? And so that's how you landed on video. Yep. Um, but even through your writing, even though you didn't have direct success through True Tightwad Turn yeah. Mapped Out Money, you did get freelance clients through that. Yeah, and, and even inside the freelance client bit, um, I, I did do I did a little bit of freelance writing, which I wasn't very good at. But the big thing where freelance started working was I used the skill set I learned in developing the blog, meaning building the website. I used that skill set to get freelance work around website building, which I was much better at totally. th- than writing. Yeah. And so, yeah, to your point, a lot of times inside of the failure, there's buried a way to be successful even if it's not what you originally anticipated. Yeah, and I really like the way you worded that because it also highlights that when you are being a noob and you're following your own path, the steps may not be laid out perfectly for you. And so being a noob and embracing that may mean that you're chasing after something with everything you've got and you don't exactly know the next step that comes after that. So when you were working on your blog, you didn't know that you were about to land a big freelance client that would eventually enable me to leave my job as a physical therapist yep. and eventually enable us to go all in on mapped out money. We didn't know that that was going to happen. No. And I mean, when you started your blog, you didn't know that that was going to lead to a point where you could leave engineering at all. Mm-mm. So I do think it's important, especially for people like us who are planners, that can be really hard. It's like you don't have to have the whole journey mapped out. It's okay if you don't exactly know your next step. It's that whole, um, you know, Mike Rowe, he always says way leads to way. And he talks about that in his own career, how he never 
looking back at young Mike Rowe, he couldn't have pointed out the steps that would lead him to dirty jobs and all of these big successes that he's had. He had to just pursue whatever was in front of him with vigor, go after that thing, and then let that lead to the next step. No, I think that's that, I think that's spot on. And I think that's a big piece of you know, defining that financial success, whatever that means to you, right? Because to your point, Mike Rowe has had probably one of the most varied careers anybody could have. I mean, he started out on QVC and he's had all these sort of, you know, different uh, winding roads that got him to where he is now Mm -hmm. uh, and lots of failures all along the way. And so on your own path to financial success, especially on the income side of things, you're going to have lots of failure and it's just part of the journey and you got to embrace that um, because that's the only way you're going to actually push through. Because if you let that failure defeat you, then you're just going to stop. You're going to give up. You're going to take the easy road, which means you're probably not going to find that success that you're after. Totally. And I I want to point out that we feel this continually oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want it to sound like, oh, yes, we failed once and then we overcame it and now we're here. No. I mean, every day, every time we put out any sort of content, anything we do, basically, we're figuring out as we go. And I mean, we put stuff out that maybe isn't received how we thought it would be received or... Um, we put stuff out that we look at the next week and cringe, like, oh, what were we thinking? That stinks. Why did we even put that out? For some reason, that reminded me, too, of like, so if you're listening and um, you make YouTube videos, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, let me give you a little insight. YouTube has started doing this thing now uh, called YouTube Insights, where they give you information, like qualitative information. So you've always got the quantitative, right? How many views have you gotten? How long are people watching your videos? They're giving you qualitative information now, too, which basically means they're putting a sentence up at the top of the login screen when you log into your dashboard and they give you a thought on how you're doing. And so when you have a bad month, like we did a month or two ago, it literally will say things like um, views and watch time is down from your normal uh, from your normal amount because people are leaving your videos earlier <laughs> than usual. And I'm like, well, geez, thanks, YouTube. Um <laughs> Yeah, fail- there's a lot of failure <laughs> mixed in. That's like when my diet app that I was using for a little while pointed out, it wasn't a diet app, it was a calorie tracker. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, we've noticed that you do a great job incorporating cheese, cheese into your in diet. Your diet. Like, Gosh, that was passive aggressive. Like, <laughs> I get it, I'll cut down on my cheese. Yeah, so <laughs> people in your real life like to point out failures and now our technology likes to also point out our failures. <laughs> it's just lots of failing. But anyways, the whole idea of embracing all of those experiences and just letting them build on each other and having that overall growth, yes. even though it's definitely not a linear thing, you have failures thrown in there constantly, but overall, are you uh, progressing yep. in the direction you want to go? Well, you know, the bottom line here, I think it's it's a lot like um, just remembering that too. So, you know, I think we probably all can hopefully remember learning to ride a bike, learning to drive a car, learning some of these things we learned as a kid and how we failed in those, but eventually we got them. And so whenever I'm currently failing at YouTube or whatever thing I'm currently pursuing, I do try to remember what it felt like those first couple of days snowboarding because I failed a lot, but you know what? Eventually I got it. And I try to remind myself that failure is ultimately just a part of the process. Totally. So another way to say that is just having a growth mindset. Bingo. And it's one of those things where most of us are all okay with it as a kid because we acknowledge like, oh, we have so much to oh, learn. Yeah. yeah. But then when we become an adult, we start thinking, well, we're not supposed to be learning anything anymore. We're supposed to have this figured out. And that's, that's right. such a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's do uh, reason number three why uh, financial success requires you to embrace being a noob. And that is because it requires you to constantly grow and adapt. So basically, you need to always feel like a noob in something Mm -hmm. because you should always be growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So touching on that growth mindset again, any type of success is going to require you to have strategy. And what is strategy? I mean, it's failing, reassessing, and then trying again. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's constantly growing. It reminds me of... um, that quote, you said it was Danica Patrick who said that? Um, yeah, Danica Patrick. She was talking about, I think she was talking about one of her past relationships. And she said that they said something to her like, well, you've just totally changed. You're not who you were, you yeah. know, when we started dating or when we got married or whatever. And she was like, well, gosh, 
I hope so. Yeah. I hope that I'm growing. I'm trying to grow as a human being. So yep. I certainly hope that I'm not the same as I was five years ago. Yep. Well, it reminds me, it's kind of like thinking about a high school reunion, right? Like my, uh, I'm coming up on a 10 years since I graduated high school. Gosh, you're old. I know I'm so old. For anybody who doesn't know, I'm older than Nick. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> next year will be my 10th year, right? And I was thinking about the high school reunion thing. And yeah, like if 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 I showed up to that and somebody said like, oh, you're exactly the same. Yeah, that's a little upsetting. That's upsetting. I hope that I've grown. I ho- I hope I'm not the same person that I was in high school. I hope that I've changed for the better, you know, and yeah. that we all are constantly changing and growing along the way. Yeah, I certainly do not want to stay frozen as high school Hannah. No, thank you. So like we talked about, you can have failure without success, but the way that you make sure that success is part of your failure is that adapting piece. Yeah. Are you willing to be okay with your failure? Go, okay, you know what? I failed at that thing. What can I learn from it? What can I take with me to my next step? How can I readjust and try this again so that I don't stay in that failure? One of the ways that this really ties into personal finance and being financially successful is when it comes to budgeting, right? When you're budgeting, you're going to fail and you're going to constantly have to grow and adapt and change and move as things in your life change. I mean, you know, we've been budgeting. I mean, basically for our whole marriage, we've been trying to follow a budget. The first two years, we did a terrible job and we almost always were, you know, blowing different categories and um, weren't sticking to any semblance of a budget, even though we were tracking stuff. And then over time, it's gotten better and we've navigated. But that's one of the things that I see, like when the people that we work with in classes or in coaching with budgeting stuff is they'll get so frustrated because we set a we set a budget up and then the, the, the first month out of the gate, you know, they're they're over on groceries yeah. or they're over or an on, unexpected expense. Yeah, an unexpected expense hits, you know, the dog breaks its leg or, you know, there's all kinds of things that happen and it blows the budget. And then immediately you're like, well, dang it, I, you know, already. And that's part of being financially successful is growing and adapting and navigating through that. And so you are going to feel like a noob and you're going to feel like a noob in all kinds of financial things, right? You're going to feel like a noob the first time you start a budget. You're going to feel like a noob the first time that you learn what a 401k is or what an IRA is or how to invest. You're going to feel like a noob when you start researching insurance options. You're going to feel like a noob when you start um, trying to learn uh, how to plan for your kids' expenses. I mean, but there's even so more many than areas. That, as your life changes and as you are adapting all of these things, you might maintain that feeling of being a noob. Yeah. Even if you've been budgeting for 10 years, you, yep. you'll probably still feel like a noob, you know? We're going to feel like noobs the second that we have kids. We're going to yeah. totally have to reassess how we allocate our money. Yep. Um, Everything will change. Yeah. Yeah. So that feeling of being a noob, I don't think it goes away. If you're if you're continuing to, to reassess and grow and get better at things, I think you feel like a noob a lot, even within the same the same arena. Yeah, and I guess my hope with this with this reason is reminding you that when you feel like a noob, instead of feeling bad about it, you should actually feel like good about it. Yeah, um, take that as a signal that you are you're growing. doing the right thing. Yeah, that's how you know Paul Graham. As a reminder, he ends his article and says, uh, "Though it feels unpleasant, and people will sometimes ridicule you for it, the more you feel like a noob, the better." Mm-hmm. And so, when you feel like a noob in your finances or in any other area of your life, take that as a positive thing, and recognizing that, like, oh, I'm about to grow, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are we ready for reason number four? Yeah. So reason number four is um, you can't have true financial success without a life well lived. Uh, And there's a quote from Paul Graham's website from actually Charlie Munger, who said, a life properly lived is just learn, learn, learn all the time. And like we've been saying, you can't learn. You literally cannot learn unless you are a noob Mm -hmm. by definition because you're brand new. You're a novice at something. And, you know, as far as this sort of life well lived, one of the things we think about is this idea of financial success and, and being successful with money it's only success in as much as it helps you grow holistically. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's not just about the money. Which comes back to what we love and what we talk about so much, which is using money as a tool yeah. to help you live whatever adventure you want. To help you do you all want. the other stuff. Yeah. So we talk about this a lot, you know, in Nick's, Nick's curious questions that he'll ask, you know, like, what, what things, if we had more money, 
where would you want to spend more money? Yeah. Where would you want that money to go? And, you know, one of the big things for us is like health and wellness type things, yep. you know, and so there's a lot of things like buying really high quality food and all of all of the things like that. We value those things and we're 1000 percent happy for our money to go towards those areas. So that's using money as a tool to help us grow holistically. That's making us healthier, more productive people. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it reminds me of kind of the Scrooge McDuck, right, which is the, um, oh, you know, the, the Christmas, uh, a Christmas, what's it called? I keep wanting to say a Christmas story. It's That's not a not Christmas it. story. It's, uh, you oh, know, with the three oh, ghosts. This, uh, yeah. I know. Tiny Tim, the whole thing. Hang on. Okay. So Scrooge McDuck, you know, he's diving into his- A Christmas carol. A Christmas carol. Thank you. Scrooge McDuck is diving into his, you know, vault of gold. And the whole, you know, obviously story and obviously the Disney version or whatever. I was about to say, I like that you're not using like the, the actual, actual one. Christmas Carol. Well, because I because I think <laughs> of the, the cartoon Scrooge of Scrooge McDuck diving into his vault of gold, right? Um, but how empty his life is, right? And he's he's terrible. Nobody likes him. He has no relationships. Uh, he's a miserable guy, but he's got all the money. Mm-hmm. And it's not until he flips his mindset, uses money as a tool to give back to his community and start getting involved and building relationships that the money enables him to do a lot of great things. Uh, and so money, money is um, – I, I like to think that money is often amoral, right? And we can use money to do really amazing things. Or we can use money to do not so amazing things yeah. and be selfish. And that's all it is. It's just a tool. So being financially successful requires you to be holistically successful in your health, in your wellness, in your relationships. And, um, you know, we believe, obviously, your relationship with Christ, like all these things that come together. Mm-hmm. And money is just one aspect that can enable you to do uh, interesting things in these other areas. Yeah. Is it Gary Vee who talks about... I think he said this with social media and money, that it doesn't change people. It just exposes people. Yeah, it exposes you of, yeah. of because what's on the inside. Because social media is that way. Yep. You know, social media isn't good or bad. It's how we use it. Yep. And you can use it to do really great things, and you can also use it to expose your inner selfishness. Yeah. Yep. Ultimately, if you're unwilling to be a noob, you're not going to grow holistically. You're not going to embrace any of these other areas, which means that even if you gain all the money in the world— that's still not being financially successful and certainly in our eyes, right? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people experience that. And again, as Christians, we come back to our our purpose and identity and all of that is in Christ. And so without that, you're not going to have that fulfillment piece. Um, but I think you see people experience that over and over again when they buy the mansion, they buy the cars, they have all the things that they're supposed to want. You know, celebrities, you see this all the time mm-hmm. with celebrities and they're still reeling. You know, like they have no no true direction in their life and and no fulfillment. And you you just see them like go off the deep end. So I think it's important to remember that like money is not going to bring you anything that you that you don't already have fulfillment wise. No, it's just it's just a tool. And, you know, I want to encourage you listening to this, that if by the very nature of you listening to this, right, getting all the way to this point in this episode, it means that you're already on the path of embracing being a noob because you are admitting that you don't know everything there is to know about money. That's why you're listening to a Mm -hmm. podcast called Mapped Out Money, uh, which means you're trying to better yourself and your finances. And that's the right attitude to have. So, So you're already doing that. And you want to just continue doing more of that, recognizing that, um, you know, me and you, you us, we don't have it all together. No. At all. Yeah. Um, But we are trying to constantly embrace being a noob so that we can grow from that and grow holistically, not just just in our finances. One of the things that I think ties really well into this is Hugh Jackman's The Greatest Showman. Oh, such a good movie. Um, but the song Tightrope from that song or from that movie, um, and I'll just read, I'll read a few of the lyrics. So it says, some people long for a life that's simple and planned, tied with a ribbon. Some people won't sell the sea because they're safer on land to follow what's written. But I'd follow you to the great unknown, off to a world that we call our own. Um, and Nick and I both love that song. I love that song. I know. And I think it is because we like this whole idea of it's okay to do the thing that isn't mapped out perfectly for you, which yep. is ironic because our website is mapped out money. Well, but, it's because you're mapping out your own money. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's not mapped out for, for you, you by society. You get to decide. Right. Yeah. That's what's so powerful about it. 
No, I love that. And I think um, I think you and I have both, I think we can say confidently, going back to sort of the, the fourth reason, that we just enjoy our life more when we're embracing being a noob in new areas. And there's something that is um, exciting about charting off on something new. I think I think that's why humans are so, I think that's why adventure stories are so incredibly um, uh, exciting for us and why we love them because the whole idea of newness. And so I think, you know, you and I can certainly say um, we're enjoying our life so much more now yeah, that we're totally. constantly embracing being a noob and learning new things and pushing ourselves uh, than we were, you know, years ago. Yeah, when I was working in my traditional job, I felt very comfortable. Like, I felt like I know what I'm doing. Um, you know, I have these certain things laid out before me every day. And that's if I get those done, it was a successful day. Um, I felt very secure in that. But I definitely wasn't enthusiastic about it. And I feel like more enthusiastic and more excited about what we're doing like every day that passes. Mm -hmm. And like we said, it's not all linear. There's definitely failures in there. And there's moments where we think, oh, my gosh, what were we thinking? What were we doing? And, um, you know, maybe we need to change everything that we're doing. But overall, we have that forward progress and are, you know, up and to the right feeling. Up and to the right. Yeah. The other thing that we can sort of add to these these four reasons that's kind of like a bonus reason here that has nothing to do with you. It's actually about other people, which is when you're embracing being a noob and chasing after uh, things in your life, you will actually help other people around you do the same mm-hmm. and embrace being a noob in, in their own life. And, you know, sometimes that's literally helping people. Like I've had friends who've come to us and said like, hey, how are you doing that? Or or how are you doing this in your finances or whatever? And then you can literally help them. But you also can help them by just being an inspiration. Uh, and, and sometimes it's it's in silent ways. You inspire people that you don't even know that you've inspired. But just by you Wearing your T-shirt right side out, right? Just by you being you and embracing that and embracing being a noob, it will encourage others to do the same in their own life. And I think especially like we've talked about with failing and all that stuff, when you're not trying to hide your failures or the areas where you feel inept, um, I think it's really refreshing to people. And I do think it makes people feel like, oh, I feel that way too. And it's okay. I can... I can um, acknowledge that I feel that way and continue to grow in that area and learn new things um, and not not be so focused in on hiding what I don't know. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think I think you're spot on. I know for me in my life, thinking even back to the snowboarding example of when you can see someone falling down the mountain and still be, really enjoy it and kind of laugh and poke fun at themselves – it makes you want to do the same and it makes you excited about failing yourself and learning and moving forward. So mm-hmm. I think that's spot on. Yeah. And I, I do think it's important to remember that like you never know how you're impacting people. Yeah. So especially like just in some of the content that we put out or, you know, like I said, sometimes we put stuff out, look at it a week later and we're like, oh, that video sucked. Why did yeah, we do it, it that way? Why did you know, why didn't we do this or that? And then somebody might send us an email about that video, about how much it resonated with them or whatever. And it's it's just reminding ourselves that, okay, sometimes it's okay to ignore that feeling of just wanting to rip it down. Well, I mean, okay, this literally happened to you yesterday because we went to bed two nights ago and you were like, I don't know, just last week's episode, it just kind of felt like we put it out and then like, you know, just kind of meh, it just kind of fell on deaf ears. And then uh, we had somebody email us and talk about what an impact that that episode had on them. Yeah. And that so, was so encouraging, I think, for you, for you. I mean, for me, too. But it just because it was funny because it was right after you had said, yeah. like, I don't know if that episode was actually any good or not. So, again, like, maybe maybe it was a failure. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But the fact is it resonated with somebody. So maybe our failure res- resonated That's right. with somebody. That's right. And so just, just acknowledging that there's purpose in all of that. And, and it's okay. We're not supposed to have it all together. Everything that we do is not supposed to be perfect. Um, and, yeah, that's... People like real stuff. People like real stuff. That's right. I like it. So speaking (laughs) of the stuff that people like, Mm -hmm. now it's time for the stuff we like. Yeah, the stuff we like segment. (laughs) So for today's stuff we like segment, I'm going to share uh, a quote that is probably, probably off, like almost overshared now. 
And I'm going to be a real hipster about this. I was this about to say, Nick is so hipster because about this Because I found this quote. Before Brene Brown. Before Brene Brown made it super popular. Uh, and I loved this quote a long time ago. So I'm a real hipster about it. But anyways, this is a quote uh, by Teddy Roosevelt called The Man in the Arena. If you haven't heard it before, um, just get ready. It's amazing. And if you have heard it before, uh, well, listen again, because Teddy is the man. So I'm going to read it in its entirety. And it goes, I think, perfectly along with this idea of embracing being a noob, wearing your shirt right side out, and, and you know, all that that comes with it. So here's a quote. He says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I get like so pumped up and every time I read that, <laughs> I love that quote. So uh, I, I love this quote, y'all. Hannah laughs at me, but I, I do. It like it pumps me up. I have it printed out. Hannah made me like this this uh, this hand-lettered version that sits on my desk right beside my computer. Um, and, you know, every day I, I, I want to wake up. I want to embrace being a noob and I want to be the man the in man the arena. The arena. That's right. At the end of the day, I think, you know, I think that line of it's not the critical spectators who count. Right. It's not the people sitting in the stands, the people around you who are going to call you stupid or call you a noob or call you whatever. None of that matters. And who are going to act like they know everything. That's right. What matters is you getting in the arena, getting after it. And at the very least, at least you fail while daring greatly. And when you're the man in the arena, like Paul Graham said, you might be a noob locally. That's right. But you're making yourself less of a noob globally. globally. All right, so to close this episode out, uh, I'm just going to quickly recap our four main reasons why we believe embracing being a noob leads to financial success. And that is because financial success requires you to go against the status quo, which will make you feel like a noob. It requires you to try new things and fail often, which by definition means you're a noob. Mm -hmm. It requires you to constantly grow and adapt. So you should always be feeling like a noob in something. And you can't have true financial success without a life well-lived. And according to Charlie Munger, who we would agree with, a life properly lived is to learn, learn, learn all the time, which again, by definition, requires you to be a noob. All right, Hannah, anything else? You feel good? I feel good. All right. You were the noobinest noob I've ever seen. Good job noobing on that episode. Wow. I don't even think that's a sentence. All right. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. As always, Go out there and embrace being a noob today. Noob it up. And we will see you next time <laughs> in uh, episode number 10. Bye.